When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and much more on this very special episode combo of garlic fries and baseball guys on the Giants fly the W on the Cubs um, and let's continue and uh, and get Dustin in here with us as well and of course both of us both of our our outfits uh, welcome you to rate review and subscribe all right Dustin is in along with Mark Willard in San Francisco Crawley in Chicago Dustin rocking the shades, the buds, and uh, doing it all while driving. You want to talk about a good 2022 picture of, uh, of either multitasking or being distracted. This is it. Yeah, I am uh, driving down the uh, Eisenhower right now, the good old Ike. Uh, just uh, left Wrigley Field, actually. Uh, decent little crowd there. And Seiya Suzuki just put the Cubs up uh, three to two, but that's not, uh, that's not why we're here right now. Um, you know, Crowley pretty much nailed it. If the three guys, the Cubs let walk out that door, um, had not had been doing something worthwhile, I think Cubs fans would have a whole different attitude right now. Plus, as Crowley pointed out, some of the pieces they got back in these deals have already started to show that they're a little bit better than $5 scratch off tickets. Now they're not necessarily lotto million dollars a week for the rest of your life, but they're somewhere in between. Um, so I think that's what Cubs fans are hanging their hat on right now. I mean, the offense was broke. Something had to give. Theo said that. It's just one of his famous drops we play all the time on the score. The offense is broke, and it was absolutely broke. The biggest guy that got away that they got absolutely nothing for and you would love to have right now is Kyle Schwarber. That's the guy who got away. That's the guy – who they completely misjudged and mismanaged. Hey, while we're talking about these trades, I bet Giants fans would be interested to hear a little bit when you're looking about, as you said, what they got in return. Uh, the minor leaguers that came to you in exchange for Chris Bryant. And I know Caleb Killian um, has actually had a cup of coffee with the team. It didn't necessarily go so well. I know his ERA is over 10 in, uh, in his appearances, but how, how are you rating the Chris Bryant trade, uh, uh, you know, a year plus later? Well, there's, there's two guys that were really involved in the trade, and, and, and Cub fans are excited about both of these prospects. You mentioned Caleb Killian. I, I was there at his debut. I was in the bleachers. It was against the Cardinals, and he looked really, really good. After that, he had some bumps in the road, which, you know, you come to expect with young pitchers, and, and the Cubs are doing – much better this time around than the last rebuild about pitching development. So Caleb Killian is a guy that Cub fans are ex uh, especially excited about. The other guy that you mentioned, it would have been Kevin Alcantara, and he is in uh, low A Myrtle Beach. But he's, he has turned a lot of heads, and he is a guy that hits for power, and he, he plays a great outfield. So you have two potential pieces, one of them in Killian, who definitely should be at some – you know. I, whether he's going to be a starter or a bullpen piece, a lot of times with the Cubs, they like to use these guys as bullpen pieces first. 
Uh, you saw that this year with uh, Justin Steele and uh, Keegan Thompson. They last year they they played some. Uh, they had a more of a bullpen role, and this year they've been starters. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Caleb Killian in a a bullpen or maybe like a three four inning type role next year. So very excited about that. And like I said, Kevin Alcantara, uh, Alcantara is somebody that is on a lot of people's radar, and I want to say he's he's in the top thirty prospects the Cubs have. So, you know, they're exciting young players and the Cubs this time around are, are filled with a lot. Last time, you know, you could go through the Cubs farm system and you could say Glabar Torres and you could say Addison Russell and Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant and, and, and Eloy Jimenez. And you can go down the list, but what you couldn't do is you couldn't name any pitchers. Okay. They didn't develop any pitching at all. And so that was what killed the Cubs is when these extensions and these, uh, you know, all the arbitration uh, issues came up is that they were spending so much, you know, they spent so little on those position players when they won the World Series, they put all their money towards pitching. But then you were expecting pitching to come up and it never did. And now you had to pay for pitching and position players that were all making bigger money because of arbitration and because of free agency. So this time around, you have a good mix of young pitchers and hitters. So in the tr- Chris Bryant trade, you got a pitcher and a hitter. And 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 you look at it, these guys are going to come in waves where everybody with the Cubs kind of came up at the same time. All the young players came up end of 2014, 2015 is when all these guys came up. And then because they needed pitching, they traded away a lot of other players and there was nothing to back that up. And so this time around, you see that these guys are kind of staggered in age, like, 23, 22, 21, 19, 18, 17. And so there'll be more and more waves of talent. And like I said, that having both pitching and hitting in the minors, both developing strongly, I think that's going to help the Cubs a lot more in the future. You don't have to, you don't have to pay for the mistakes that you don't make by developing these players. Yeah. And I know also like Giants fans will be interested and maybe not love the, uh, the news that, um, you know, we don't follow much minor leaguers once they leave the, uh, the program, but Alexander Canario, who was in that Chris Bryant trade as well, had 31 combined home runs in your minor league system this year. He moved from high A to double A, where he spent most of the year, and then has reached triple A and has a, uh, let's see, a combined OPS this year of 866. So pretty good, and that's something that could certainly lead to dividends down the road, and and the Giants fans got Chris Bryant and, and a playoff run, but it didn't go very far, so um, that's part of the uh, conversation as well. I'd love to hear a couple of names. One, who you guys already mentioned, and he's on your team now. I'm going to get to that in a second, but at the center of a Giants fan's mind right now is Carlos Rodon. And, and A, I'd love to know, as from a Cubs perspective, uh, in the future, your thought on a player like this, but also just because he was pitching for so long in your city. The big discussion, if Rodon opts out, which I'm sure he will, he's got a $22 million player option for next year, but it's been a healthy season, it's been an all-star season, he's going to opt out. The big discussion here is, if he's going to get like $30 million over five years, is that a smart move? And I and the way the Giants do business, I think even most fans are like, ah, that takes him to age 35. That that makes me nervous. If the market only calls for three, I'd go 30 million for for three, you know, 30 million per year for three years in a heartbeat. I would not do 30 million a year for five. Where where are you guys on this? I'm gonna let Dustin take this first. Go ahead, Dustin. 
Yeah, I, Mark, I could not agree with you more. I mean, first, let me let me put it. Let me tap the brakes a second. I am thrilled that Carlos Rodon has gotten his health together and that he's been able to grind this out. He's having a nice year for the Giants. I have no ill will for him, but he is not the type of guy that I want my favorite team, the team I cheer for, to pay $100 million. No, thank you. Absolutely not. First of all, the Cubs aren't quite there yet. And again, Carlos Rodon is not the guy – if the Giants were somehow going to be in the postseason, which probably – when would you would you give – you trust Carlos Rodon to be the game one or game seven or this the must-win game starter? I, I don't. That That's not that's, that guy. That's interesting, it, but I can tell you here that, the, like, yes, we've only watched it for one year, and he's dominated. I mean, he's setting right. records for strikeouts. He's right up there in the tops of the league – one of the concerns from Giants fans is if you don't keep this guy, who's your game one starter if you make the playoffs? If you make the playoffs. The other thing that happened this morning on the Mully and Haw show is that David Haw actually put John Lester's name and Carlos Rodon's name in the same sentence, and I almost dropped dead in the score studios. I said the only thing those two guys have in common is their left-handed pitchers. I mean, Carlos Rodon is not going to set the compass for the next great Cubs team. But you're right, Mark. This year, he's having a thing. But I just, I just, you know, 35 at the end of that thing. I, I go three years, 90 million. I, I could stomach that. But I don't, I don't know that that would be best for the Cubs, three years, 90 million. I think they could do better with their resources of three years and $90 million. Look, Mark, uh, the way that I look at it here is we, we, we got a close look, Rodon, from the south side. I mean, just the yeah. other side of town. I was livid when the Giants signed when they signed Rodon because I thought he was a perfect candidate for the Cubs because hmm. the Cubs were doing these sign and flip deals. You knew they weren't going to stay with the team. And the thing we always knew is that you had injury history with Rodon, hard time staying healthy, but when he is healthy, he's a very dominant pitcher. Yep. And so to me, I said, okay, I would not want to sign this guy to a five-year deal, which is what he's at least going to want. So I was like, if you can get – I, what did you guys pay him? Like, uh, it wasn't two, – It's a two-year, two 22-and-a-half per year, but the opt-out in between the two years. Right, and so to me, that was a tailor-made deal for the Cubs because they have nothing but money. Right. They have plenty of money that they could spend on this, and they could have flipped him and gotten a big return, and they didn't do that, and I thought that was a huge mistake on the Cubs' part. But do would I want him long-term? Yeah, just it's it's a lot of money for a guy that has we saw have a lot of health injuries when he was here, and so that is that was always my concern with Rodon. Yeah, I, I if he can I totally... get it somewhere. If he can get it somewhere, God bless him and his family. I just don't want it to be the Cubs giving it to him. Yeah, if it's five, I'm out. If it's three, I'm in. That's kind of the line that that I draw. But uh, I, Giants fans, I don't think need to worry about it because uh, they haven't signed anybody to a deal longer than three years since Farhan Zaidi got here, uh, and it's year four. They've, they've, In fact, they've been incredibly hesitant to even give anybody three years. I think only three players have gotten that. So long-term deals, at least at this point, don't sound like part of, of, of their approach. Yet they say that they are out there, that's on the table, they will make those offers. You guys talked about being livid when Rodon came to the Giants. I can tell you I was livid when Seiya Suzuki went to the Cubs. That was the guy I wanted. That was the offseason signing I wanted them to make and I thought they were going to make. 
Saya made some interesting statements mid-year that I guess uh, there was something actually about the city of San Francisco that made his wife a little bit uncomfortable. Is a little bit too like he had seen some things on the news about what it was like inside the city, and it was a little bit too much and and whatnot. And so um, that that made some headlines out here. But I'd love to know from a couple of people who have watched every game and sort of experienced his first year. His numbers are fine; they're not gaudy. But what what do you guys think of Seiya Suzuki? Uh, Seiya has been a great player. Um, he did have an injury that kind of hurt him a little bit, uh, uh, sliding into a base things, a pinky injury. Um, what you see with Seiya is that you have seen him kind of, it's been this constant adjustment to the league. So he, he, he came out gangbusters in April, absolutely lit the world on fire. And then he kind of struggled in May and then he got injured. And then, so it's kind of been like, he goes through these, um, different, you know, very streaky. So sometimes he's hitting three, 400 for a couple of weeks, and then he'll go to be hitting 100 for a couple of weeks. And it's this back and forth game. So for whatever reason, a lot of times when Cubs get free agents at first year is kind of a rough one. It's a little bit bumpy. And you've seen that with Saya, and, and that's not even including, you know, coming over to a different country, a different culture and adjusting to a new league. So I've been impressed with what I've seen from him, his base running, his defense has been good. Um, and then when, when he's on offensively, he's fun to watch. So he's a guy I think that you're, when you see him in year two, he's going to be even better. Yeah. yeah. I hope Crowley's, I hope Crowley's right. I mean, he's been, he's been all right. Um, one of the guys who I really love talking baseball in Chicago is Bruce Levine. And I remember when they made the signing and Bruce said, you know, if this guy hits about, 275 and has 20 home runs every year and about 90 RBIs. People, I'm like, what? For the kind of money and the investment, you, he's got to do better than that. Now, I don't think he's, again, the linchpin of the Cubs getting back into uh, National League contention. He's a nice piece. I think he'd be on a, a really good Cub team. He'd be a great fixture out in right field, plays some good defense, has some power. I think he's got a lot of good baseball smarts acumen I, he really lost me when probably how long did he miss six weeks with that finger at least yeah, he, he I, missed, I mean yeah. i mean when he it's like it's a finger man come on six weeks for a little finger and i know the cubs stink out loud i get that and maybe if the cubs were in contention he wouldn't be acting that way but when you're the brand new guy and you're the highest paid brand new guy at least for this cubs fan and i'm guessing the listeners of this cubs podcast you gotta you gotta at least show up you know availability is a big part of it. What? Yeah. What was the home run he just hit? Was that number twelve this year? I believe twelve or thirteen, and he's hit a yeah. couple. He's hit a couple in just the last week or so. So the power numbers are not where I thought they would be. I thought he'd be at least twenty this year. And um, and, and, and and the yeah, thing ahead, though to, to kind of keep in mind is that when the Cubs did have all their guys, Bias, Brian, Schwarber. You know, you had a lot of three true outcomes, strikeout, walk, home run. And what you're looking what they were looking to do is diversify their lineup a little bit. And so Saya isn't a guy that's going to give you 30 runs, you know, 100 RBIs, but he is a guy that is going to make a lot of contact. That's the hope is that the strikeout rate will be low and that he's going to be able to get on base. And that's what they want to do is kind of kind of be more dynamic, get the ball. And, and they've done it this year a little bit, but unfortunately they're hitting it on the ball too much and they're grounding into a lot of double plays and stuff like that. But that's what they're looking to do is they're looking to 
um, have guys that can make contact. Uh, Nick Magical is another guy that they acquired for Craig Kimbrell last year, stuff like that. But they want they want guys that are, are good contact hitters and not – that's what they felt was the problem in the postseason is all these guys, they couldn't score – you know, they couldn't find a way to manufacture runs, and I think they're looking more that route. 